Hey, we're back again. Yep. <laughs> just like that. Yep. Just like that. We just jump right in. We <laughs> dive into being back. Yep. A little different this time, though. Yeah, we have we, an audience. Yeah, we have a studio guest this time. We, we've never had a studio guest before. No. Not on this well, podcast. Not if you don't include those RVers who are making a ruckus out <laughs> <That's right. laughs> at the campground. Yes, yes, yes. Those, those were we, an audience that didn't know they were an audience. But we made fun of them. Well, yeah. We're not going to make we fun of your mom. No. Yeah. No. So, hi. <laughs> she didn't want to be on the podcast. That's all we're going to make you do. <laughs> um, just, we didn't even make her drink with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, because we found out she can't drink. That was. <laughs> we, I was making her gin and tonics, and she was not reacting well to them. And not in a normal way. Not in a fun way. <laughs> But yeah, it made her uncomfortable. So uh, we can't, yeah, we can't even drink with your mom while she's here. No. So, yeah. But you did mention gin and tonics and they are sitting in front of me. I did. In fact, you know, okay, so we have we're, gin and tonics a we're lot. a little boring because we do gin and tonics a lot. I mean, we really like gin and tonic. Well, um, I, I think it's because we like to all, try different gins. Yes, it is. So cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you as well, even though you don't have one. <laughs> Now, that's a good gin and tonic. Now, we decided to do a gin and tonic again today because we found a new gin. Yes. And so, uh, and we also found some special things about tonic that make it our new medicine. So we should drink more of them. <laughs> Didn't we? Did, we found that out, right? You, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I look around and I, and I reference your mom saying you, but nobody can see me looking at her. So, <laughs> so uh, Debbie, I mean, you found that for us. You found that tonic is actually good medicine for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't want to be roped into you, that, do you? you? Almost, because when you, when you explain this, you're almost going to make her sound like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, yeah, we were, we're really just stretching is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're... We're trying to justify our uh, gin and tonic our gin and lifestyle. Tonic lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what gin are we drinking? So this is, and I have the bottle right here. So um, this is a really cool bottle, by the way. Yeah. It, seriously. No, like, it is a cool bottle. That's one of the things I, I like about finding, you know, fun new brands and stuff is seeing what they do with their bottles. But this is Aviation American Gin. So this Who is... would uh, be you know, more than welcome to sponsor a show. <laughs> yes. In fact, we would love to have the owner of the company on our oh my podcast. Gosh. Right. Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> the actor. <laughs> so, uh, so, hey, we're mentioning you free of charge. Don't be a jerk. Be on our podcast. Right. Uh, yeah. Give even, a little something back. I'm even drinking the gin. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've been hearing about this gin for a while, um, and uh, on other podcasts they sponsor. No, yes, on other podcasts <laughs> that they do show up on. <laughs> no, I can't remember where I was, but I've just been hearing about it for a while. And I've been wanting to try it, but I haven't been able to find it anywhere because it was well. Anyway, I don't know. I I just I was under the impression that you could only find it in other regions. And liquor is kind of hard to ship around, especially across state lines. Yeah. There's all these regulations with it. And so I just figured, well, it's just not available in our area. 
And then, uh, lo and behold, I was killing some time in a Rite Aid the other day while I was picking up a prescription. And there it was in Rite Aid of all places. So I'm like, boom, yeah, grabbed a bottle. So it's, uh, it's good. It's really good. I like it. It's interesting because the first thing we do when we try a new gin is we smell it because yeah. gin tends to be uh, botanical fragrances yeah. or some level of juniper or something along that line. And we both, well, actually my mom too, had all the same reaction. Yeah, when and we I would say this before it. you even say what it, the smell is, I on smell alone, I would rate it a two out of 10. Maybe a one yeah. out of 10. Well, what was really funny, though, is that you said, hey, Jess, smell this. Tell me what the first thing you smell is. I did that. I told you. And then you did that to my mom, and she just drank it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is it. I was like, yes. I, I smelled it. I handed it to you. You smelled it. Your mom just shot it. <laughs> and I was like, and then With she a made a better pucker face than I have ever made on this show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was kind of fun. That was yeah. a fun moment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it has a smell of like rubbing alcohol. So. Which would turn us off. We would usually okay. say that's not a good gym. We have just officially killed our chances of Ryan Reynolds being on our podcast. I know we we had a solid chance, but not not now. No, no. Not now. You can edit that out. Oh, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it smelled really not good to us. Really not good. But then we tasted it, and I was like, "Wait, that tastes way different than it smells." And it actually tastes really it good. Makes a good gin and tonic. It makes a really good gin and tonic. So it's very different than what. We have typically in the past said mm -hmm. our favorite gins are, which are have a lot more botanicals in it, a lot more even. I would say juniper, even though you would say otherwise. But, but I I really like a, a strong sense of juniper in it. This doesn't have that. Anyway, it's tasty. Yeah, it's tasty. I think we spent enough time on that, haven't we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have we uh, beat that one to death? I think so. Yep. So, but uh, but yeah, it's good. Oh, one other just little fun thing about it, it's eighty four proof. Like you said, four more proof than we're used to. Four more proof <laughs> than we're used to. I don't know why. I think it's got to be some kind of joke. Like, like everybody else is 80 proof. We're 84 proof. Because <laughs> you don't ever see 84 No. You proof. should research that. I mean, maybe there's something, you know. Yeah, I just might not care. Okay. <laughs> I might just be okay with it being funny to me. <laughs> you could write Ryan Reynolds to find I out could. why it's 84 He would probably proof. answer me. And I'd be like, listen, Ryan, I've drank your gin. I talked about you on my podcast. I even watched some of your movies. <laughs> you owe me a response. <laughs> totally not getting a sponsorship. Oh, no. oh, I do that. I get a, I get a thing. I get a chance. And then I just butcher it. And <laughs> I just ruin that chance, don't I? You keep drinking. <laughs> Let's keep talking. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. So... Here we are on a cold, is it winter yet? Is it officially? It's no, I think, I think winter is officially December 20th. No, that's the solstice. Oh, that's not the start of that's when is, winter. When solstice. is the start of winter? I don't know. Nobody knows. You should have Googled it before you brought it up. I mean, I could Google it right now. No. But uh, no, don't. Okay. So uh, anyway, it feels like winter. Yeah. It's snow. It, there's snow outside and it's, uh, and it's cold. Yeah. So, um, we have had an interesting weekend. Um, 
because our oldest, or I mean, our youngest daughter had her tonsils out yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that and having to be on the pain medication throughout the night and all of that, we had our first slumber party with we Asher. We did. Yeah. yeah. It was so much fun. Not much sleep, but it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has he has this need um, when he wants to connect with you, or or now we know when he's sleeping. Yeah. That um, it's not enough to be near you. He has to actually be touching your skin. Yeah. Like some part of your skin, your arm, and yeah. uh, so he kept finding you all night long to lay his head on your chest. So yeah. he was like the skin contact all night which is kind of funny because he's not i mean that's not him during the day no at all no but at night it was like yeah yeah which is kind of a different that experience kid, with that him. kid could stay asleep and spin circles <laughs> like i have he never did known. spin circles seriously I, all the way around he woke me up a couple of times like he's sitting straight up like sitting up and his eyes are closed and he's fast <laughs> asleep <laughs> and then he would just fall boom <laughs> <laughs> And I'd be like, oh, he's still asleep. <laughs> I was thinking I'd have to put him back to sleep or something. No. And I didn't because yeah. he was still asleep. <laughs> Slept through the whole night. Yeah. But he was, I mean, yeah, every which way. So he moves a lot. Uh, I don't think he wasn't moving the yeah. whole night. It was pretty crazy. So it's kind of, it, it is a little funny to me because, you know, it was a very restless night of sleep with him doing cartwheels in the bed and, right. and all that kind of spinning circles and everything else. I still don't feel like I, no. like I'm exhausted. I think we still slept. I think we still slept okay, but yeah. it was just kind of, it was kind of <laughs> funny. It was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, going to sleep with him in bed last night, we were watching a Ryan Reynolds movie. <laughs> you were, weren't you? <laughs> so there's another shout out. From my boy, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, my god! Just look us up. Um, just, just, but it was Green Lantern. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. Which, I, which, Ryan, I still like that. I still think you did okay. I, I, I don't hate it as much as everybody else does. Anyway, we should move on because I'm really blowing all of any chance I may have had with Ryan Reynolds to be my friend. What do you want to um, talk about today? Well, we, um, it, yeah, we we were having a conversation earlier, and we were like, "Man, this would have been good a good conversation to record." Um, but I feel like we could just keep like continue that conversation, just keep having it. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, except that you brought up one point while we were having the conversation was that there is a piece of this t- this conversation which we'll mention here in a minute, but that the talking about it, the referencing it can often bring it into motion, can bring it into reality. I said that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm trying to remember what I was. Yeah. What part? Well, because I asked you, is this a conversation? If we're sitting here having this conversation, how much more are the governors and everybody else having having this conversation? And you said there's a, you know, a delicate balance. Speaking it into truth. truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So last so time we're we gonna, did this. Are we going to speak it into no, existence? No, 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 no. Because it's our, I mean, anyway. Uh, before we go any further, last time we did this, we talked like a full five minutes without ever saying what we, what we were going to talk about. So there, 
there has or there was this article that was put out in Newsweek magazine saying that Rush Limbaugh is saying that we're that uh, conservatives are moving more and more towards cessation. And uh, is it cessation or is it secession? I don't know which way to say it even now. All of a sudden, I just got nervous. I know, and now I'm not going to say it at all because <laughs> I don't know. Do you know which way? Oh, dang it. Well, we're just going to keep saying it two ways or something. So, all right, we have to take a short break here. Short break. Okay, we're back. Okay, I didn't want to continue being an idiot, so it's secession. Okay. We looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had, we had to take a little pause for a second, and so we took I took that opportunity to look up how do I pronounce this yeah. so I didn't keep saying it wrong, because I definitely said it wrong the first time. So yeah. anyway, okay, so back to this. Uh, so Rush Limbaugh was saying that uh, uh, the conservatives are moving more and more towards secession. And, uh, you know, there was a, a friend wait, wait. of ours. Yeah. So, a side note here, was Rush Limbaugh one of the first podcasters? You know, I don't know that, does he even have a podcast? He had a radio show. Yeah, that's not a podcast. Okay, I just didn't know. Anyway, oh. sorry. No, 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 no. We are podcasters. <laughs> he you had a radio show. to have be a podcaster. <laughs> well, no, that's very much not true. <laughs> the whole point of it is he, anybody can have a podcast. Not anybody can have a radio show. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Anyway, um... I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh a lot. I did when I back went to in the, the day at the bakery for yeah. um, Mark Hubbard because he listened to it all the time. So we'd be back there baking yeah. and we'd listen to it all the time. Yeah, I totally remember that. I used yeah. to like him. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, moving on. So a, a friend of ours uh, on Facebook was you know, quoting somebody else and talking about this, this article. And so, um, you know, so, so it started a conversation between you and I mm -hmm. and, you know, and cause you were asking me, you were saying that you had heard about these 194, 196, 60, 100. I thought it was 164, but I'm oh, geez. now. I <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Time out again. I'm just going to keep Google open so I can keep checking ourselves. <laughs> Every time you hear the typing. Yeah, yeah just type, 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 type. Well, <laughs> it's me so fact-checking myself <laughs> as we talk. <laughs> I go through the week, uh, you know, like spot-checking news, and a lot of times what's online, you have to pay for the, the subscription to the news company to be able to read the article. And so sure. I end up reading a lot of headlines. So this morning I came to you and said, you know, I, this is, these are the headlines I'm reading. What do you know about it? Can you fill right. me in? And everything that was going on with the, uh, with the congressmen who were, um, you know, uh, had, well, I actually don't know cause I haven't read the article. Yeah. So and I'm not pulling it up quickly and I don't want to get too distracted here. Uh, I can't remember how many people it was, but it was a, it was a hundred and something Congress people, Congress persons, people who I uh, um, decided to uh, basically demand that the Supreme Court uh, nullify the election results. And on the basis of um, 
that mail-in votes are unconstitutional, illegal, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. I'm just butchering the shit out of this. The, the, the facts aren't the point on this, actually. The, f- <laughs> the facts don't matter. Yeah, no, oh, no, that's no, no. kind of contradiction to everything say, we've ever talked no, about no, no, on this no, show. Listen, 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 point. listen. I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying they don't matter because they definitely matter. I'm saying they're not the point of what started our conversation. Right. So the, you know, you were asking about it and I was, and basically I was saying when I actually had the actual facts in front of us, um, that, uh, you know, that this was the, the buzz around this was not that there was any chance that the Supreme court was ever really going to take this seriously, but this was, this was more of an opportunity for them to make a stand, you know, and knowing that, you know, it would, you know, again, the Supreme court wouldn't do anything with it, but that, uh, that, that they would still get like, you know, the, the media coverage from it, that they were standing with mm-hmm. Trump and, and stuff like that. And, and then that moved into the, um, that moved into the, the Rush Limbaugh article, you know, and, and we were just kind of talking through all that, like, how far does this go? Like if, like if they right. never acknowledge that, you know, Trump did not win, the election, right? I mean, how far does this go? And that's why I just, <laughs> it's, I know it's kind of ridiculous for me to say the facts don't matter, but that's, I'm saying the fact, those are, all of those points aren't specific to the conversation, conversation that we, we were, were having. having. The right. conversation that we were having was about how far could this go? You know? I mean, are we talking, you know, Handmaid's Tale here? Right, right. Where we actually split the country up and divide it right. up and, you know, there's the old country and the new country and, you know, all right. that kind of stuff. And, and we're trying to get across the border again to Canada. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and and you were bringing up the point that, you know, if you, you got to know that if if we're talking about this on on our at home level mm-hmm. right now, then you got to know that governors and, and other political figures are talking about this and and. You know, and then we were talking about how how they're not talking about it publicly. They're not acknowledging these things publicly, and why is that? And 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 that was where the speaking truth to or speaking speaking things into truth, right? Speaking that, a theoretical. Yeah, idea. like if you if you talk about this idea of oh, there's this group out there that wants to secede. You know, there's a group out there that that wants to say that you know that you know they want to a new America, they want a different America or whatever else it is, then, and you talk about that enough, you actually start to create movement around it. Mm -hmm. And then, and that movement picks up steam, you know? Um, And so, you know, we're just, you know, so part of the conversation was, well, how much do you talk about things then, you know, as possibilities? How much do you, how much do you discuss? Give weight to it. Yeah. Theoretical things or, or, um, conspiracy theories or any of that kind of stuff, because are you actually speaking something into existence? And um, in a sense, and not in any kind of weird way, but just in a way of the more that it's on your mind, the more you think about it, the more mm-hmm. you think about it, the more you may or may not re- react to it or normalize it or whatever else. The, the fact of the matter is, is there's there there is this movement of people who are talking Mm-hmm. These far extremes like this, like the really far extremes like this, you know, um, and and somebody like Rush Limbaugh, I mean, for crying out loud, you know, and, you know, I I don't know, I don't think this would be offensive to almost anyone. 
Um, but the guy is a, he's an entertainer. I mean, he's, he's not a leader. He's not, you know, he's not trying to lead people. He's not oh, trying. But let me just throw back at you what a leader actually is. No, 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 no. Because no. I thought about this. <laughs> the technical term I of was, a leader is someone who has followers. I was anticipating that you were going <laughs> to be bringing this up against me. <laughs> I'm just catching um, you. No, I would say that that Rush Limbaugh, in in all reality, probably sees himself as an influencer. Mm. Like he influences people's thought. He influences people's direction. He in, he may even influence them to act on things, but he's not interested in leading them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a that's a huge difference, yeah, right? Yeah. And so he's a he's a very wealthy entertainer, and and quite honestly, the more people he can get in his audience, the more wealthy he is. And so it's he can he can be as wild and crazy and far right as as you can fathom so long as because there's a shock value yeah so long as it's interesting right now there's a point where he can go to where he goes too far and then it shuts people off so he's always playing that balance there um so you know to you know you you listen to to people like that and it's like it's their job to say controversial things it's their job to say you know crazy things that, that they probably chances are don't even believe themselves, but it's mm-hmm. their job to bring that up. He's not a, he's not a reporter. He's not a news anchor. He doesn't work for a news media. He doesn't, I mean, he's an entertainer. He's a, he's a political entertainer. He's a thought provoker, right? Um, so it's one thing for somebody like that to be talking about things because that stirs people up and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, generally, I don't know that a whole lot of people act on what Rush Limbaugh says, you know, um, it's a different thing if, you know, if, like you were saying, if, if politicians and governors and, you know, um, and Congress people and senators and all that, if they start saying, well, you know, we're hearing this conversation, you know, and we just want to say right now, nobody should be having that conversation. Okay. That would stir something up. Right? That would right. that would promote that idea to continue forward even more, um, and so I mean I do think that we are in a volatile time as a country right now. It, you know, I say it like it's a big revelation. You know, I think this. <laughs> of course, we're in a volatile time right now as a country. Of yeah. course, we are. Um, how volatile of, of a time are we in? God, I have no fucking idea, you know? I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I have hopes and I have fears. Yeah. Well, I often, you know, think as you start to hear rumors <laughs> and rumors and rumors, you, you start to... Um, or at least for me, I want to embrace my most core values. I want to connect back with those and find out what is it that matters most to me. Right. What um, What do I care about the most? Um, because if, and this is probably the Enneagram 6 in me, but if I have to go to the end of the world, 
<laughs> or the end of what is presently our existence, our understanding, our normal, then um, what is it that I have to wrestle with in terms of um, what will I do next? Um, how will I reside in these um, possible um, outcomes? Um, I'm definitely a worst case scenario thinker. So if, um, I mean, it makes great for problem solving, but it can also be um, a very fearful place to be when I start to hear, you know, these rumors. Now, this isn't the first time our country has been in, um, you know, scary times. And could we be, could we find ourselves back into a civil war kind of situation where we are so polarized that we um, can no longer find a common ground. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with a new administration. Um, but if our current president keeps, you know, spending his time throwing tantrums on his way out the door, um, rallying up uh, an outcry for something, it gets a little unnerving as to what is next for us. Yeah. Um, and I, so I come back to, you know, what does matter most to me. Um, if I had to rise or fall on something, what would that be? What would that, you know, look like um, in my community, in socially, in my faith system, in my family, that sort of thing. So I go to all of the places when these conversations start to surface um, as to what it would look like. Um, and of course, I go back to The Handmaid's Tale because I'm pretty confident that so far it has predicted the future. But, <laughs> um, and the new season, I'm not even sure if they could actually write a new season without oh God, right. <laughs> like, what does that even look like? But um, they could write a season that was more outlandish than what's. No, no, I shouldn't talking say about speaking I, something into existence. I know, I know, I know. I, you know, I, I am, I'm going to take that back right now, even as a joke, because of course we're not there yet. Of course. <laughs> no, come on. I mean, of course we're not there yet. Um, but yes, absolutely. That is 100% your Enneagram sixness also, that you go to no. all of the possibilities. And right, you see I, all I of understand the, that. Yeah. But if the... I, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just saying that that's... Yeah. But if if it's true that uh, a large number um, of the population would identify as an Enneagram six, phobic or counterphobic, either one would sit in this category, um, there is a lot... Um, of unknown and a lot of fear that can then be instilled in a community. Sure. Um, without, um, without good leadership, there's a lot of us who could get very paralyzed, could get very um, panic or desperate, um, anxiety levels through the roof. Um, so I find myself wanting to ground back to what I know like I said, my, my values, okay, if this is, if this is where we're headed, um, you know, path A, then this is, this is what matters to me. If this is where we're headed down path B, this is what matters to me. Like I find myself wanting to come to those spaces so that I am constantly aware of who I am, no matter what happens. Um, but I do think it's, it's an interesting 
time. Um, we did that, that conversation moved into kind of a side conversation about, um, about how, what should our response be as a nation with particular, I mean, some of these big issues like racism and the hate, um, you know, I was absolutely sickened this week to hear about the Anne Frank Memorial in Idaho that was um, vandalized by a yeah. Nazi swastika. Yeah. yeah, and um, and just realizing, of course, that's very you know close to home for us as far as location is concerned, and and well, just into our heart too. I mean, we spent uh, well, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of years there, right? And um, and just you know, thinking that wow, I really live in a society you could who cannot. Um, find respect for an Anne Frank memorial. Like we're so, we're there again. Like, yeah. and, and I know I say there again, that's probably my white privilege saying, hey, you didn't know this was here yeah, all along? Left. Yeah, that we left that, <laughs> that position. position yeah, at all. That didn't ex- but, continue to exist, right. But I think that leads into what we had talked about, which was this, um, if there is a many of us who are moving towards in our homes and in our close circles who are saying um we want to live by love we want to live by respect by um rights for all by equality for all um can that be a louder conversation can that be a louder culture that overwhelms um the hate and ideally i'd love to say yes it can because it felt like it had for a long time until the probably even to the last couple of years that I, that I was, um, unfortunately greatly unaware of the systemic racism that existed because I thought the conversation was loud enough, um, to be equal for LGBTQ communities for, um, you know, people of color. I mean, like all of sure. these areas that are ostracized, ostracized right now. I thought we were a louder voice of love until recently. And I realized how ugly it really is underneath. So my optimism has shifted to more of a pessimism. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of our, the other part of our conversation was yeah. how, how do we culturally decide who we're going to be and if we can't are we really looking at uh multiple countries in one landmass well Uh, not one landmass we have multiple countries in one landmass right now but within the united states i mean yeah and i you know part of that came from you know this you know the same uh, the same message that was posted by our friend about the Rush Limbaugh thing. And, you know, the, the guy that he was quoting, you know, said something to the effect of that, um, you know, what do you do when you have a, you know, a, I can't remember the word to use, but basically a petulant child, you know, who's... Rebellious teen. Or... No, it was a child that he oh, was okay. talking about. And he's like, you know, and you've got a pot of boiling water on the stove you know do you just kind of let them do whatever and and it's like no you sit them down and you tell them to shut the fuck up and you which you know i hope nobody tells their child to shut the fuck up but again it was you know it was about something else right and uh and you tell them you know 
dinner will be ready soon and you're going to eat it, you know, kind of in this concept of, you know, we're moving in a direction, whether you like it or not, and you're going to partake in it because it's good for you, Yeah. you know? And so this idea of that's how we deal with people who are in the far extremes like that is we, we just tell them to sit down and shut up. You're, you know, you're going to go along on this ride and you, you know, cause it's good for you and you'll do what's good for you kind of thing. And, and my response to that was, I, I don't see people that are in the far extremes right now as, you know, these disruptive, petulant children. I, I see them as rebellious teenagers. And, and if we've learned anything in raising our own rebellious teenagers, <laughs> you know, is that uh, the last thing in the world that works is to push back with the equal amount of force. Right? Right. I mean, it just, they are much stronger willed than we are. You know? And so it is, it's no way to, to accomplish anything with them. It's no way. I mean, when, and I basically said, you know, in, in my response to this guy, on my, my return comment to it is that, you know, if in the, in the whole vein of sitting down to a family dinner, if a rebellious teenager decides that they want to turn family dinner into a living hell, they'll just do it, you know, and there's nothing you can do to stop them. And so what, what we have witnessed that families have done and quite honestly, what has worked with our own daughters, because they're, they're very much not, you know, (laughs) disruptive, angry, rebellious teenagers anymore. They're, they're adults now, and we have wonderful relationships with them. Well, how did we get through that? Well, it was because of you saying to me at one point in time when I was so fucking pissed off at them, you know, for how dare they speak to us like that? How dare, you know, all that. And me just being at that angry dad point of wanting just to cut them off and, you know, and fine, you know, then I just won't talk to you or whatever else. And you saying no matter what happens, they have to always know that they can come home, you know, that we love them. Right. And then, and that has like influenced everything for me, not, not just for my own kids. I mean, it completely turned around how I engaged with them again to the point now where we have wonderful relationships with them. Um, But it changed my outlook on a lot of things. You know, and so uh, in this context, saying that, yeah, we could get angry and we could push back and we could fight and try to, you know, reason with them as to why it's ridiculous that they, you know, that they would want to secede or, or, or whatever other thing, you know, that, you know, Trump actually won the election, you know, <laughs> whatever else, right? We could try to reason with them and all that kind of stuff. I think the the better the better thing to do is to just keep living a good life and and pursuing justice and pursuing what's right and an equality in our country and um and that everyone is 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 cared for in an equal way um everyone is that there is love that guides us and leads us into to the decisions that we make and all that kind of stuff and, and, and just be constantly communicating that your way won't win. You, you can't, you can't 
turn the course of our family. But there's always room for you at this table should you return, should you choose to return and and should you want to live within within the love that we are cultivating here. And I know that's there's a lot of that that's like pie in the sky, you know, it's it's like super uh, optimistic kind of thinking. And that was kind of what you said. Well, what happens when things turn violent? What happens when... Because the six in me kicked in. Right, right. And I'm like, well, yeah, but in the same way... Because <laughs> the nine in you said it will work out. <laughs> yeah, the nine in me said, but peace. <laughs> but we must have peace. <laughs> Um, <laughs> while I'm running to the Canadian border. <laughs> right. Um, I, I said that I will never, I will never condone violence personally. I, I just, I'm in a, I'm in a place now where there is, I cannot understand a situation where violence makes anything better, yeah. where violence fixes anything, you know? Um, I'm not saying that I don't feel like being violent sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that I, I don't ever see it in a scenario that it, that it fixes anything. Um, and so, but even in families with rebellious, out of control teenagers, there's a point in time when things get so out of control that agencies outside of the family step in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so whether that's law enforcement, whether it's, you know, another, some other agency, whether it's, you know, whatever it might, I mean, whatever it might right. be that just says no more. And, and they do things that the, the family unit within itself can't do. And they just shut it down and they just stop it. And it goes to a different level at that point. Right. And I think it's the same kind of thing for, you know, for as a country, it's like it, Individually, we, I believe that we should focus on forward movement. What does better look like? And let's, let's embrace justice. Let's embrace peace. Let's embrace love. Let's embrace equality. Let's, all of that caring, making sure that everyone's needs are met, all those kinds of things. And at some point in time, if the opposition to that grows so intense, then, then you know, then that's what law enforcement in the right context context is there for. That's what, um, you know, and beyond, right? Um, to higher agencies even. And and it's like, but that's, and, and where's that line drawn, right? Where's that line drawn as a... You're opening cans of worms. I, you know, I don't know that I'm opening cans of worms so much as I'm just acknowledging that there's... There's a there is a difference and and there there are these there are these breaking points. I get that. I I'm not pretending like I've got the like I've got all the answers for all of it. I just know that like for me I have to focus on on continuing moving forward in what's right and good because if if I get caught up in fighting all the bullshit, you know, the stuff that's just like frankly fucking ridiculous out there i will get so caught up in that that forward movement will stop i i won't i won't be an advocate any longer i'll be a 
I'll be a social justice warrior, a soldier at that point. I don't want to be that. I want to be an advocate. I want to, I want to be a part of, of taking us into a brave new world, um, a, a world where, where like all the things I said, where justice reigns, where love reigns, where, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't just want to be an angry warrior all the time. And I, I've been guilty of that, you know? And quite honestly, it's just, it's exhausting and it's depressing. I just don't want to be it anymore. Well, it's not really very inviting. So when you say you want to have your table open to anyone, um, you want them to come home at any point in time, um, there has to be something inviting to come back to, you know, and a, a way of life that says that everyone is celebrated equally is something to come back to. But if there's as much hate on one side as there is on the other, doesn't really get us where we're headed, right? Right. I, and like I said, I'm not pretending like there's any answers in that. I'm just, there are some things that are becoming more clear for me personally. Um, I think I said, you know, last podcast that I, I spent a bunch of time online prior to the election, really going toe to toe with a lot of people and, you know, like challenging their systems to, um, you know, to, of how they were going to vote, why are they going to vote this way, all that kind of stuff. And then I kind of went quiet after a period of time, you know. Um, anyway, I'm, I think Asher's waking up. We got to take a quick break here again. Yeah, because, you know, mom and I are on duty, so. That's right, since Sydney's so, sick. Okay, we're going to take a quick break then. Okay, we're back. Oh, and I can hear Asher crying. In there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I laughed a little harder on that because we just said all of that, and I wasn't recording. <laughs> yeah. I never hit record again. So we don't have an audience now. Yeah, we don't. Mom yes, headed up there to take care of him because Sydney is very much in recovery, yeah. and she's uh, yeah um, not supposed to lift you know more than twenty pounds, and Asher's definitely over that now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you'll hear him in the background as he's waking up and crying, you know? <laughs> which is fine. I don't think anybody will mind. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, like I said, I wasn't, you know, when we left off, I wasn't, I'm not trying to, to like present like a, a plan forward for everyone else. I'm talking about me, you know, yeah. um, I'm not even talking about you. You don't even have to be in this place. I'm just saying for me, I've just been thinking about this so much. It's like, God, I'm just tired of thinking that I have to like, Fight, you know, fight for people, you know, to help to make people rethink how they're thinking or whatever else. I just, I just want to move forward. Now, there's a part of me where I am always going to be inclined to, to challenge how someone is thinking. Mm -hmm. Always. Um, I say that because it's, it's just a part of my makeup. It's part of who I am. Um, I do it to myself all the time. I, I, I start thinking through a thought and then I, I start challenging myself. Well, why am yeah. I thinking that way? What is that based on? How did I arrive there? All that kind of stuff. So I'm always going to do that. There's a difference between that and feeling like I have a responsibility to change people's minds, you know? Yeah, no, that isn't. That's a heavy burden. 
it, yeah, it absolutely isn't our responsibility. Um, if I've learned anything in the last um, couple of years, um, it has been that, that I am not responsible for who you choose to be. Um, literally, you. I am not responsible for who you choose to be. And there's a great relief in that, but it takes a tremendous amount of, um, you know, um, release of the ego <laughs> yeah. to, to not think that you can have somehow influence. And I think the area in which I feel like I go into out of advocate mode and into warrior mode, um, and this is what I have to be careful of, but is when I look at the community in which I was raised in um, that mm. formed my worldview, which is evangelical Christianity, and I am constantly being pressed up against how what forward looks like with that ideology. Right. And that's where um, I wouldn't say it's like a traumatic trigger, but it is a trigger to um, kind of this the statement that goes through my head. You know better. You have responsibility. Right. And if I am angry about anything these days it is the responsibility that lies in the leadership within the evangelical christian community to um to actually care more about the humans that they serve than the political position or the americanism that they also hold right and that's a that's one where when I look at navigating forward, <laughs> the handmaid's tale is coming back again. Um, you know, where this uh right. where this religious uh right that we have, um, it is a constitutional right for us to have these religious freedoms, but it but it seems that recently that freedom has come with a cost to those who should actually be feeling freedom, you know, that we're imposing more um, uh, restrictions on people's humanity as a Christian community than we are freeing them into their humanity. Yeah. So, um, so that's an area where I find myself really battling between the two. Um, hot button for me right now is... Yeah, it's a term I'm seeing more and more of is um, pro-life uh, womb to tomb. Like, do we actually believe in life, not just in the womb, but beyond? Um, so how does death penalty play into this? How, why Why is the Christian community mm, yeah, yeah. advocating for death penalty and yet advocating for um, anti-abortion laws? Like, how do those two things exist together? Why are we, um, why are church leaders still holding um, congregations in person, in buildings, when COVID is killing people? So if you're pro-life, why aren't you pro whatever it takes to keep your um, congregation alive? Like, why, why such a disconnect with this issue of life? And um, so that's one where I feel like, there's a great responsibility on the leadership in the Christian community um, to stop playing this political game and start actually doing what they should be believing, which is 
life. Mm. Can you hear him? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's having a rough time waking up right now. Yeah. No, I, you know, him. Yeah. I mean, our worldview has, you know, come into a lot more clarity since he came on the scene, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And and we've had two kids. We've raised two kids. I mean, it was like, I think it was just this thing where it's like you... We got, let's be honest, we got really used to them. <laughs> and they start fending for themselves now, you know? Well, now we have this human being who... who Has us wrapped around yeah, his finger. Yeah. And I care about the world that we're leaving him, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, have I always cared about that for all generations? Of course I have. But it's Not there's just capacity a, though, if I'm really I know, honest. But, but there's a there's a different awareness yeah. of it when right. it's again, it's just it's it's he's a wonderful reminder of how how precious human beings are, you know? Um I don't know. I just you know, we you and I we we have lots of conversations that we don't record. Um, it, period. But <laughs> specifically, we have lots of conversations that we don't record in regards to who we are and our place in all of yeah. this. Um, because it's something that's just on our minds a lot. I mean, we're both, you know, we've talked about this before. We're, we're both very justice minded people. Mm-hmm. And so justice issues run deep and, and wide in us, you know, and, Um, and we can, we can get really focused on justice issues and, um, and I, and, and I don't, I love that about us. I really do. I think it's, it's something that we share. I think it's it's something given us the opportunity to advocate for teens for 10 years of our life and to make sure they had what they needed to be. Um, as hopeful and successful human beings as possible, yeah. that they had a path forward. And um, I don't think that peace will ever leave us. I used to think that we were really wired to make sure they had a, a spiritual relationship with God. But I, I look back now and I think, I'm not sure that that's what it was really about. Yeah. I think it was that we wanted to see them um, able to be the full human in all capacity that they could possibly want to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, does that involve faith? Does it involve their spiritual, um, you know, walk of whatever choice that is? Absolutely. I mean, it it was the crux of the, you know, the, the time we spent with them. But if I'm really honest, the, the, the ongoing relationships we have with those who were teens back then, who are not now (laughs) really is less about, their faith in God and more about their understanding of their humanity as a person and where they yeah. fit in this world. Yeah. And can we be part of creating a world that says they're allowed, that says there's space for them and they can take up as much of that space as they need to or want to. Can we be that advocate? Yeah. Um, and and so that's where my righteous anger comes in is I just feel like the church has this immense, the, the broad evangelical church, Christian church has a huge responsibility, um, 
to uh, f- for life of all of us. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I know that's a whole other other topic, but I guess it's just it's all it's well, all part of the same conversation <clears throat> too. All these things start to, I mean, you know, intertwine and overlap and all that kind of stuff too. And it's, I, I think because everything is at the surface right now too, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that, oh, go, you were going to say something. You know, I've lived 46, almost 47 years now. and Don't get there too fast. fast. You need I know to. it's not very far away though. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say that there's not much I haven't seen. There's not much I haven't experienced. Which is wild for us to be saying that. It's but wild. I, it speaks to the day and age. Right. Yeah. Um, I will say I have never experienced racism. I've experienced being uncomfortable in um, a cultural community that was not my particular culture. Um, and what that You're saying like. you haven't. You haven't, haven't felt racism a, directed towards, towards you. me. Got Correct. Um, so I won't say that I have felt everything. Obviously, I have not experienced many, many things that other people have. But I have experienced enough to see cycles in our culture, to see humans repeat things over and over again, still somehow expecting things to turn out differently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and to be able to call bullshit on things. And I applaud, you know, our daughter's um, age group, their generation for, <laughs> for being so open and inviting to all peoples. Um, our, our girls just really don't, don't have any hangups with that. Yeah. Um, something that I don't no, feel like it's, our it's age wonderful. group was raised with. Right. Um, but, um, you know, taking those lenses and placing them side by side with wisdom of life would be a beautiful partnership. And I hope that as a community that we can come together um, between generations to be able to figure out how we move forward. I don't think our generation necessarily has the answers, I think we have to think and rethink and rethink and rethink and redesign this whole thing because it's not actually working out really well. Right. Um, so I think all the thought and all the ideas need to be on the table and what forward um, looks like. And I think we have a lot to learn from our daughter's generation as to how and who we love. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just... I'm sad, I think, to see us in a space that I thought, as I was growing up as a kid, that we were moving away from. And I feel like we're back there again, and um, I don't like this cycle, this, you know, returning to. Um, I guess that's what you get when you try to make America great again. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. But but I want to be part of, of what forward looks like. And um, I'd rather be a part of something and get on board than be afraid of it moving forward. Um, and that's what I want to be open to learning yeah. and open to hearing about is what forward looks like and how do I get to be a part of that? Well, you and I um, in a 
very, very small teaser, <laughs> are talking about this a lot. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about ways that we can actually engage with people and be a part of the forward moving process. Mm-hmm. Um, and Facil- I'm really facilitating more conversation than just the two of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah facilitating conversations that are part of the of the actual moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that we're having those conversations. I can't wait to start speaking more about that with people. It's too early right now, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's something that's always on our minds. Um, and, uh, and I, and I love that, that we have that together. I love that that's always a part of what's on our minds, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're engaged in. That's, that's just always something that, that we have in common. And I, and I love that. Um, and it's part of what drew us together in the beginning initially, mm-hmm. you know, all those, all those years ago. <laughs> so I just um, have this idea as you're talking. Oh, okay. What if our next episode, it's going to hit the right after Christmas, right before New Year's. What if we put a call out to people of what it forward looks like to them, what 2021 could be what they feel like maybe they can bring to the table that um, is part of a more whole loving community. What does that look like? Yeah. We, could, we could do sound bites of things that people send in or something Ooh. like that. Kind of hmm. do a mashup. But maybe we'll put some thought to that as to what specifically yeah, the question get on that quick. what the question would be. But I would love to hear from other people on what uh, forward steps looks like to them. You know, maybe somebody's in the, the arena of education, teachers or administration, and they have an idea within their sphere of what forward looks like. Yeah. I'm not in that world, so I, I don't have mm. answers there. What about the medical field? What about um, people who are within the churches that that have really good thought that see things differently than what we're seeing with the evangelical church yeah, movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if there's just thoughts out there that, that should be heard um, that could that could help us set a stage for a different year, for a different forward? Okay. I think that would be something we should... Yeah, let's put some thoughts something to, we should get on. We should get on that. Because, you know, that's... It's only two weeks away. I know, I know. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna... We'll we'll look at it either two weeks away or we'll look at it at the next one. Yeah, I don't know. I just yeah, it's just kind of coming yeah. to me as I'm thinking that I don't want to just hear my voice all the time and my thoughts all the time because I can get stuck in ruts and cycles of yeah. what I think the solution is and I actually don't know what the solutions are. So um, I just have thought and opinion about them and maybe one of my thoughts matters. Yeah. But um, but I think that it's going to take all of us um, thinking and, you know, um, it may just start with a pod of people that are close to us and we start doing things yeah. differently, you know? Yeah. I love it. Um, in that, you mentioned something that um, is, is a little weird for me still, but oh. that uh, our next episode will be after Christmas. So Christmas is coming between this episode and next episode. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, yeah, it is because this is, you know, we're we're coming, you know, again to the end of this year. And 
Um, but, you know, I have, we have had a, a little bit of an interesting relationship with the holidays in, in our <laughs> family. Um, and so for lots and lots and lots of different reasons, but, um, you know, I have generally always been a little bit more giddy about Christmas time and, and, you know, you have always been just a little bit more reserved about it for your own reasons. And which I think there's, you know, there's lots of those reasons. Yeah. Well, no, what I was going to say is I, th- well, yes, of course but <laughs> I was going to say, but I think there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. Right. Um, we, and, we seem to either have a really great relationship with Christmas or we have a very triggering relationship. Yeah. There's not a whole, there's not a lot, lot of people that are just kind of like, meh, Christmas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I am, we are both, we've talked about this, we're both really looking forward to Christmas this year yeah. because of Asher. Yeah, he brings just, magic. Just something about that, seeing things that young life, yeah, that, yeah. that little human being that just kind of changes everything up, you know? Yeah. And toys um, are a lot cheaper for little kids than they are for grown yeah, kids. Yeah. Just say that. And, <laughs> we, yes, and we've gone a little crazy with that. In fact... <laughs> I've had to be really careful. I want to buy him all the things that, that he I'm can't like, even that use that yet. He's like way too young <laughs> for, but I'm like, ooh, I would play with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've, I've actually had to question you as to whether or not, are you actually buying that for Asher right. or is that for you? <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited about our gifts for him this year, though. I know. Um, but the other part is, too, is that, you know, a, a conversation that we, we kind of just glanced off of and didn't really get into, but is that, uh, you know, Christmas this year is is a little different for us, too, because our, our you know, religious experience has has shifted a good amount in the past several years. And um, our, our faith experience, our, our theology, if you yeah. will, you know, and... And so there's a lot of that too. And, and I'm not trying to get into it right now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not wanting to start any more conversation. Um, but, uh, I am just, you know, for whoever out there who is listening and, you know, people have all kinds of experiences with the holidays, um, all the way from like, you know, you were talking about triggering to giddy to, um, you know, not knowing what to do with the faith aspects of things to um, being completely wrapped up in their faith to families that mm-hmm. are troubled to families that are great. Well, and but now we have COVID that can't get together this, this year because yeah. of COVID or going to yeah. get together anyway this year. And you know, all the, all that kind of or stuff. I found all out that my family was a Democrat and now I can't get together with them. Like right. there's yeah, a yeah, political yeah. divide that yeah. sits in families now too. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just want to acknowledge that right now that um, that everybody is is probably well, everyone is definitely approaching the holidays this year differently than I am, differently than you are, differently than anyone else. is, And likely differently than we did last year. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I feel that this year. Mm -hmm. I feel that for people. Um, And so I just, you know, I. I. You know, we joked about it before that, you know, my Enneagram nineness, I, you know, mm-hmm. peace, peace at all costs, you know, <laughs> and, um, and it doesn't, it's not quite that simple, but, um, you know, this is, this is a time of year that traditionally 
for me as a pastor and as a conservative evangelical Christian um, has been a time of where, you know, in a, in a really difficult language for me to actually say right now, but where God made peace with mankind, you know, mm-hmm. there's a portion of that that still sits in my soul though. Yeah. Um, and, and in, and I, and again, I don't want to get into all of it right now. There's just a portion that sits in my soul. And so from that portion, I do just wish peace for anyone who might be listening. Yeah. Um, anyone who, who needs to hear it, that I just, I wish peace in this time of year mm-hmm. for all the reasons, God, for all the reasons, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I would wish grace, mm. and and I what I mean by grace, <laughs> not necessarily what it all comes uh, loaded with in Christianity, religious context, in religious yeah. context, but grace upon each other, mm. that we all come with expectation, possible hurt. Um, it's been a rough year. Yeah. And, um, and the other word I would use is allowance to say, it's okay to make it all different this year and to see what comes of different and creative and to say, okay, I'm not taking my family to a corporate church building for a Christmas Eve service or going, we usually go to have Chinese food together or, you know, (laughs) something on Christmas Eve. And so we've definitely have some traditions that can't be fulfilled this year. And that's interesting. And yeah. we'll, we are going to need to do those differently. And um, if you have family members who say, no, I will not travel. No, I will not go to do this or that because this is what I'm choosing to do, is to have immense grace on them for that, to respect yeah. that in each other, but also to give yourself the allowance that it's okay to make it different. It's okay not to do all the things that you've done in the past because Christmas will still come. Yeah. You will still wake up in that morning and there will still be um, a moment to be with your family in whatever capacity you give gifts or you share love. Yeah. But to allow the difference. Family or those right. whom are like your family. Yeah. Right. Um, but to, to approach it all with immense respect for one another um, and without expectation. Yeah. Um, I know one of the best holidays I had as a kid growing up was when we didn't do Thanksgiving the way we did Thanksgiving every year. And we all went to Disneyland, which I know is not allowed right now. (laughs) But we all went to Disneyland and we experienced a completely different day. And we we had our meal together at a diner near yeah, the yeah. Uh, theme park. And it's one of my most vivid memories as a kid because it was so different from yeah. all the rest. But it's okay to be different this year. Yeah. Here, here. I think that's a great spot to end this episode. Yeah. So. Merry um, Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah. Yeah. All of the ones I don't know about or don't know of um, by name. But it is a time that um, we celebrate each other and we celebrate humanity in one way or another. Yeah. 
All right. We'll leave it at that for everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you. Christmas chorus. Fire.